I've had trouble delegating because it's all in my head. And so it's more work for me to get it on paper for someone (laughs) than to just do it myself. So I need to get better about that. Every weekend, I have to be really strategic about any social gatherings that I accept because this comes first, like kinship comes first. So I'm working on the balance. I'm far, far, far from perfect. I struggle with it every single week. How do I get all of this done in such a short amount of time? Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm really excited today to have a founder in a city that I love. Her name is Caitlin Cash, and she is the founder of Kinship Milk Tea. And I'm really, really happy to have her share her story of how she founded the brand and what she did before that. So welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Thanks, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. So why don't you share a little bit of your story? Tell us about you and then tell us about Kinship. Sure. Yeah. So I guess first things first, I'm from Austin, Texas, beautiful city, warm outside, an incredible place to be from. And after I graduated from UT here in Austin, I had the opportunity to work abroad in a number of different locations. One of those was France. One of those was Thailand, Ireland. And when I was in Thailand, I really, really fell in love with milk tea in a bigger way. They have incredible 7-Elevens. They have an incredible tea selection. And I would go in, I was teaching English in central Thailand, and I would walk in and I would grab a milk tea on my way to school every day. And it became something that was just a comfort to me. And when I moved back to Austin, after doing all of these work abroads, I couldn't find it in a really accessible format. Either you'd have to drive to a boba tea shop and grab one, or you can make it yourself. So I started making it myself. I had a really tiny home kitchen, really honed in on a bunch of different recipes. Every time friends would come over, family would come over, I would kind of force it upon them. I would say, okay, listen, sit down, try this recipe. What do you think? And it was a purely self-serving act. It was never supposed to be a business. Oh. Here we are, you know, almost three years later. But yeah, friends of mine would take it to work and they would serve it to their coworkers and their coworkers would reach out asking to buy it. And it was kind of an oh shit moment of this is not for sale. It's snowballing a little bit out of my control. Either we make a move and we go for it or we dial it back. So I think I'm definitely a doer and here we are. That's so cool. So I have a couple of questions for you, but I want you first to explain what milk tea is for people who might not have had it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a ton of different versions of it, ton of different flavors, but the best way to describe it is it's essentially an iced tea latte. So it is really high quality loose leaf tea with a splash of milk. So we are a vegan product. We use oat milk in ours. There's a lot of dairy options out there, a lot of almond milk options, but we chose oat milk. It has this like nice creamy mouthfeel to it that we felt was really appropriate and opens it up to people who don't drink dairy as well. Mm -hmm. So, and then we also make an in-house simple syrup made from turbinado cane sugar. So it's lightly sweetened, but that's it. So a milk tea is just an iced version. If you think about maybe in England or Ireland, how they drink like a strong black tea with milk, mm-hmm. it's just an iced version of that. So its origins are in Taiwan and Southeast Asia and 
kind of like more hot climates where you would drink it iced, just like Texas. <laughs> and do you offer a version with dairy for dairy drinkers or no? Oh, it's only we, oat milk right now. Yeah, we don't. We don't. When I originally started this, I was kind of doing pop-ups and I would do it made to order. So I would have all of these different yeah. milk options. And going into retail, we decided to really streamline it and decide what we wanted to offer and what we wanted to stand for. So that's why we go with oat milk. Okay. Interesting. And tell me before we jump into what it's been like to start a business that you didn't expect to be started, what did you expect to be doing? What did I expect to be doing? So I come from cycling hospitality background, actually. So that's one of the reasons I was working abroad is I was working for this company that allowed all of these guests to go on vacation all over the world. And so I was a cycling guide. Cycling. Cycling. That's yeah. so yeah. cool. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of a really like strange niche profession, but I was a guide for, I think about five years abroad and I would get 20 guests each week. I would take them out on these itineraries all over France, all over Ireland, and absolutely loved doing that and showing people new cultures and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So I guess I would probably still be doing that. Although I think some way I would have worked around to being an entrepreneur in the end anyway. That's just kind of how my mind works. Wow. That's a big transition. So you came back and were you, what were you doing here before you started the brand? So I worked at a startup called Outdoor Voices. Mm -hmm. So I was really early on there and got to learn a ton about building a company and building a team. That was a really fantastic experience. A lot of the people that work on Kinship actually worked on Outdoor Voices previously as well. So that's how I kind of met a bunch of this core team that I have. So I worked at Outdoor Voices for a while, and then I currently still have a nine-to-five job. I work at Dell <laughs> with a bunch of computers. So that's based here in Austin. So I kind of juggle my my day job and kinship still until I am able to hopefully do it full-time. So talk about what it was like to start kinship. And I mean, I know that when I say what's your biggest challenge? You're going to say there are so many. So talk about how it felt to start it and what compelled you. Because I know, and I think everyone who listens to this podcast at this point knows it is not easy. It is not an easy path yeah. to decide to go down and and you're living it because you're doing this, yeah. which is a probably more than a full-time job. And then you're doing a job, a full-time job. So talk about why you thought you wanted to do it. Like you, you don't do it because you want to, right? You almost have to. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly think for me, it's just an expression of creativity. It's an expression of innovation. I think that, like you said, there's almost no choice when you feel that passionate about something. There is no other option. So through building this company, I have done it very slowly, very intentionally. I am not a fast mover. We don't have a big team. We are very, very lean. And I think that by growing slowly like that and bringing your customers along for the journey and along for the ride, it just lends itself to this incredible journey. And I don't think it's about the end goal. It's about what I learn, what I accomplish, what I build during the actual journey part. And that's the fascinating piece. I mean, like you said, it's incredibly challenging. I think when you start a business, you don't know anything. There's no blueprint. There's no rule book. There's every industry is different. I mean, just simply taking the permits and licenses you need and insurance for a CPG or food and beverage company, that alone could force someone to stop because it's so complicated and nuanced and you've got 
people's safety that you're dealing with when they yeah. consume yeah. a product. So it's a lot of pressure to get it right and you have to nail it if people are going to be putting it into their bodies. So it's like a mushroom cloud when you start. There's so many different things going on and you're wearing so many different hats. I know every founder says this, but it's like someone will DM us on Instagram. They're like, hey, can you direct me to the marketing department? I'm like, yeah, we're right here. This is the department. <laughs> like you're just one person trying trying to do it all, but it's been a journey so far. So, you know, you said something really interesting and I want to dig into it a little bit. You said it was about the journey and you didn't have an end game in mind and it's not about that for you. That's definitely not the experience of a lot of people I've interviewed. A lot of people have a couple of things. One is grow a big company and make it really successful and be all over the country. And another is grow a big company and sell it as quickly as I can and get out and start over. And so yours is, yeah. is definitely different. So talk about that a little bit, because that's not always the sure. case. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm a very curious person. I'm definitely a continual learner. And I think that for me, this expression of what this company is and this business is the most important part of it. So this relationship building, I mean, I'm in a new industry. I didn't come from a culinary background. I didn't come from mm -hmm. a business background. And so simply just kind of digging in and making these incredible relationships has been the greatest part about it. Yeah. I'm not even sure how to quite answer that. I think there is a goal starting to form. I was going to say, you you may change your mind along yeah. the way. Yeah. And figure <laughs> out what that is. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's been such a, such a rush and so exhilarating to just create something and build something. I come from a family of artists. So both of my parents, incredibly, incredibly creative, my younger sister, incredibly creative. And I was always very like the black sheep of the family almost. So I was like math and science oriented and really disciplined. And I never thought that I was creative. And so to have something like kinship that is this living, breathing entity all on its own. Like when people go to the grocery store, they see kinship. They don't see me. They have no idea who I am. They just see this product. That in and of, of itself, to be able to say that I helped create that along with a lot of help. I mean, it takes a village is truly a testament to creativity looking very different, different forms. Like I think I've come to this realization that it doesn't have to be, to be creative, you don't have to be in a traditional medium like photography, right. ceramics, et cetera. You can do it a different way and you can still be innovative and creative. And that's what I'm finding. So for me, it's this journey of kind of finding who I am in the process as well, which is incredibly exciting. That's cool. I want to ask you two more questions. How did you come up with the name? Yeah. So kind of goes back to, to the family piece. So my family is a huge part of the business. My dad retired a couple of years ago. He now drives my deliveries. Oh my he God. has I love it. created this fake company called dad's delivery service and oh. runs around town. He's character. He looks a little bit like the big Lebowski and oh. can talk to a literal brick wall. So all of the store teams uh, love him. Fantastic. He's such a character. So he was a big piece of it. My mom died when I was in college from leukemia. And so a lot of this is paying tribute to her creativity. And I know that she would be incredibly proud of what we're doing and what we're building. It takes a, a full family effort. So when I was thinking about the name, you know, kinship, kind of just that idea kept coming up over and over again. I think too, besides the family piece, when I think of a bottle of 
kinship. I think of it as almost like a distillation of all these experiences and all these people that you've met along the way in your life and in your journey. And I want it to make you feel something. I want it to create a sense of nostalgia for somewhere that you've been before, or maybe like your grandmother's house growing up or something like that. So I think, you know, our mission is connection through common ground. We're a tea company, but we're so much more than that. We really want to help build this community and allow you a space to slow down for a second and connect with someone. So that idea of kinship is huge for us. That's amazing. You have a really good answer to that question. Sometimes that's a hard one. Like, I mean, where the name came from, not so hard, but your mission is very clear. I love how you talk about it. I think that's one of the hardest things for founders to do, especially if they're not marketers, because marketers know that you have to do those things. And But when you found a brand and you are kind of starting from where you were, that's cool that you've gotten to that place where you're so wildly clear about that. I think that's really important. How did you figure out what to do? It's not that easy. You didn't have a background in CPG. Your parents didn't have a background in CPG. Who helped you? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go back to the Austin community time and time again. They are just such an incredible support network. So I learned best by talking to people. And when I decided that I wanted to start this company officially, I reached out to probably 15 different CPG founders in Austin and asked to take them to lunch or to grab a coffee with them. Not a single one turned me down. So first and foremost, like a resounding, you know, kudos to the Austin community. And I just took a ton of notes. I came prepared with a lot of questions like, what was your biggest pitfall? What would you do differently if you had to do it again? Just so many different questions for them. And I started kind of piecing these threads together and through all these different connections, just learning what needed to happen next. And so it truly took a community to lift this, to lift this company off, off the ground and I try to pay it forward as much as I possibly can as well. I mean, I'm brand new to this. I don't know if I have a ton to offer, but I'm happy to chat with people. Like, you know, I think the tea category in general, the stronger we are together, the better. So coffee has a definite hold on us in the US. And that's amazing. I'm, I'm a coffee drinker as well, but tea has a ton of really incredible options as well. And I want to be a part of that movement. I mean, you're seeing the rise of matcha. You're seeing the rise of like yerba mate all of these different teas out there. And yeah, I'm, I'm a true believer in a rising tide lifts all boats. So if there's a company next to us on the shelves, there's a chai company here in Austin and we sat next to each other on a ton of different shelves. And eventually I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, we need to get together. Like we're in this, we're in this together. I know that we're direct competitors, but who cares? And he ended up being one of my best friends in the industry. So anytime wow. I get in trouble or I need something, he's the first person I call and he is an incredible resource and we just kind of do that for each other. So I think the amount of collaboration in the industry and support has been just wildly beneficial for us. Well, I'm glad you didn't start a coffee brand because there are so, so many. And I think tea is part of the conversation now more than it ever has been before. I think it's really cool what you said about, you know, I think a lot of times when you start something you want to protect it so tightly and hold on to all of your ideas and your secrets. And, you know, I honestly think that the sign of a mature business owner, and I'm even talking about myself and some people that I know here, the sign of a really mature business owner is someone who knows that that's not actually going to help you. Doing what you're doing is what helps you grow and learn. And I think it's cool that you figured that out so early on. 
And I also know the community in Austin is one of the best communities for startups anywhere. I think it might be the best community, but I'm probably not. Yeah. That since that's not I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have to agree with me. <laughs> There's so much support and so much camaraderie. I mean, I think I told you when we first chatted that I participate in SKU mm-hmm. in Austin, not in New York. Which is funny because that means I have to keep flying to Austin, which is awesome for me because of how much I love Austin. But I think that it's also because it's such a welcoming and collaborative community. And so that's really cool. Tell me about your distribution right now. Like, where are you guys and what's your goal? Yeah, definitely. So we, again, being from Austin, it was really, really important for me to partner with local independent retailers initially. Uh, so I was was reaching out to all these tiny grocers here in Austin. So that's where we started. That's where we got all of our customer feedback, feedback on how the labels looked, how the product was, um, you know, described even mm-hmm. because in a new, well, new to a lot of consumers category, people don't know what milk tea is. They're confused. Right. And so not only was it making sure that our branding and like full aesthetic package was correct, but it was how do we explain to a customer quickly what we are? So we got a ton of feedback there. We launched uh, about six months after we launched in smaller retailers. We got brought on by Central Market, which is the Texas, the awesome, awesome Texas chain. I cannot shout out to Central Market. I cannot say enough amazing things about them. So we're in all of their stores across Texas. So we're in the major metro areas, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. And then most recently in the fall, we were a cohort member for the Whole Foods Market 2023 Local and Emerging Accelerator Program. So we are tentatively scheduled to launch in some of the Whole Foods in May of this year, which is incredibly exciting. That is exciting. So yeah, so really, again, really slow, really intentional. We want to make sure that we are the best partners we can possibly be to our retail partners. I mean, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. So how can we be easy to work with? How can we bring a small smile to your day? Like it doesn't have to be all nitty gritty POs and things like that. Like we like to have relationships with everyone that we work with. And that's really, really important to us. And how did you figure out how to go from what you were doing at home to really scaling into a, you know, a CPG company where you had to make volumes of things? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would say that we're still currently figuring it out as well. It's hard (laughs) to do that. (laughs) It's really hard to scale. I have a close friend who owns a couple of restaurants here in town and he's been in food and beverage for years and he was such an incredible mentor to me as I was trying to figure out how to scale up the batches that we were doing when we were brought on by Central Market. So he came to our commercial kitchen. He sat down with me. He took a look at everything that we were doing. It takes so many people to get this done. It's incredible. Like I think about every single piece of the label that had to be done every single there's just thousands of hours that go into any product that is sitting on the shelves and it makes you think about everything in a very different new way the community and the mentorship that i've received has been the only way that i have been able to get this far and what's next where do you want to be and you don't have to say what your goal for the your life is but where do you want this brand to be in a year in 3 years It's a great question. I think I'm definitely still figuring that out right now as we continue this trajectory. We're focused really 
right now on owning our own backyard. So there's so many different places in Texas. We're only in Texas right now that we haven't even tapped into. So we're looking very hard at coffee shops, at hotels, at different things like that. Of course, everyone wants their brand to be everywhere, right? So the goal would be nationwide expansion at some point, but with the way that we move, it may be a little bit of time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you look at the Yerba Mate and it took them 15 years to get where they were at. And we're very much on that same model, on that same train. We are not a quick rocket ship type ethos. We're a slow and building and creating ethos. So yeah, of course I want it to be nationwide. It may take us a bit to get there, but we're going to bring people along with us. And I think that's really special. And should I, are you doing any DTC or not now? We aren't. No. Yeah. No, we're fully focused or no. Not right now. Yeah, not right now. We're a little bit of a, a strange product in beverage because we are a fresh product. Mm-hmm. So our shelf life is quite short. We're yeah. refrigerated. So, you know, I explain it to people like you're getting a fresh squeezed orange juice when you go to a restaurant versus yeah. you're drinking a Tropicana that's been sitting on the shelves for a while. So we're the fresh squeezed version of that. And that comes with a ton of challenges on its own. Like we're not yeah. shelf stable. We're in glass. We really play into the sustainability piece as well. Like we don't want to be in plastic. We want to be recyclable. So there's a lot of challenges with scaling because of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to hold on to. Yeah, I bet. Talk about your biggest challenges. What's been hard for you or the hardest? You only have a couple minutes, right? We know. (laughs) (laughs) Biggest challenges are, I think I have a couple personally in that I wish if I could go back and do things differently, I wish I would have told myself to just make the decision and, and go for it. Mm -hmm. I think I really sat on a number of different things and wanted to make sure that everything was perfect and um, every piece was right. And it's like, this is an evolving entity. This is never stagnant. And if you're stagnant, you're dead. So just make the decision, go with it. You'll fix it later. And there's a number of things that, that have happened because I didn't execute something as quickly or make a decision, but it's hard. I mean, managing teams are hard. You're, you're a new leader. A lot of times, like (laughs) people are hard. It's my favorite part about it, but I take it really, really seriously. I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good steward for the brand, for a team member's growth trajectory. I want to do all of these things well because I care very, very deeply about the people that I bring on to the team and the people that we work with. And it's challenging. I mean, I make mistakes all the time as either on the business side or as a leader. And yeah, it can be tough. I take it. I I am my own biggest critic. Well, I think that the people thing is the hardest for everyone. I really do. And I feel the same way that you do. It's the best part and it's the worst part because Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's tough to figure out sometimes. And then you've got your own psychology and your team psychology to deal with. How big is your team right now? Oh, great question. Well, my dad is on the team technically. So there's my dad, myself. I have someone helping with some social media things and then just a number of freelance people. So we do have a kitchen team Mm -hmm. that helps production, but I mean, officially two. Wow. And you're working full-time. That must be very challenging as well. 
Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, I think the way that I function is I do two work days in one. So I'll wake up, I'll do all of my nine to five job to the best of my ability. Like that has to get done first. And then I probably go exercise, take a walk, make food, do something like that. And then I log on for my kinship day, which is after hours. So, you know, starting at like five or six at night, that's when I do the rest of my kinship work. But it's nonstop, right? Like if you're the only one doing it and I've had trouble delegating because it's all in my head. And so it's more work for me to get it on paper for someone (laughs) than to just do it myself. So I, I need to get better about that. Every weekend I have to be really strategic about any social gatherings that I accept because this comes first, like kinship comes first. So I'm working on the balance. I'm far, far, far from perfect. I struggle with it every single week. How do I get all of this done in such a short amount of time? And it's just bite-sized pieces. So there's just a couple of things every week that I focus on. And if I can get those done, then we're moving forward and progress can be small, but we're moving forward. Amazing. Do you do marketing or has everything you've done been word of mouth to some degree? Yeah. Everything has been fully organic, which is incredible. I don't think we've put any money towards marketing. We don't have a marketing budget. The only ads, I guess you can call them, are on Instagram, just like our normal our normal feed. But I think that's a true testament to the authenticity and the deep connection that we build with our customers and our partners is that they want to see us succeed as well because they like what we're doing and they spread that word of mouth. That's wild. I mean, you're the first person I think I've heard who've said, who said that that's an amazing, amazing feat. Thank you. Yeah. Right now. I mean, organic social is tough and not marketing when you're very, very new is tough. And I think what you're doing, I mean, I've heard people do this so many different ways. And I think that what you're doing by being, I don't know what they call it, not being, not going too wide, but going really deep in your market. I think that's really, really important because if you did spread yourselves too thin, you would have no choice but to market because you'd be in places where you couldn't talk to people and people didn't know you. And then you would have those kinds of issues. So that's really cool. Like when you first started and you first started trying to get people to try the tea, were you going to them personally, like one-on-one? Were you doing farmer's markets? What were you, how did you guys do it? Yeah, we have not done any farmer's markets. It's actually something that we're looking to do now, three years in. But yeah, when I first started approaching retail partners, one weekend I made, I finally had my labels. I finally had my bottles. All of my, you know, my commercial kitchen was in place, all of these great things. And now I had to get people to sell it, right? So you have this product. It's got some product market fit just from friends and family. And now you got to figure out how to get it to a wider audience. So I made about 300 milk teas one weekend and made a list of all the places that I could see it in. And this was in spring of 2021. And I put them in a bunch of coolers in the back of my car and drove them all around town, walked in, dropped off a a line sheet to them, dropped off a three pack and just talked with people and introduced myself and tried to figure out what they were looking for and how we could fit that need. And then it just kind of was like a domino effect. One store picked it up and then I said, oh, well, it's actually, you know, it's being sold here. And they're like, oh, it's being sold there. Okay, we'll take some. So it just really naturally was this flow of a slow build. I don't know how many times I can can say we're slow at everything, 
But it really worked because the first couple of stores, it allowed us to get our ordering process down to understand how we're going to do production. And then the next tier up, you're like, okay, we've got this going on. We know this model works here. We'll just amp it up just a little bit. And so that's kind of how we did it. That's so great. I mean, it's really a great story because it's not the approach most people take. And it's a struggle for a lot of people. It's, you know, you're smiling the whole time you're talking about this, by the way. I don't know if you you are. (laughs) Which is really cool. I mean, it feels like it's a true labor of love for you. What would you tell people like, you know, this podcast is for founders like you and it's about getting advice and learning from other people's mistakes and also hearing about their successes. What would you tell people who are considering starting their own brand? It's hard right now. Yeah, it's hard. I would say it's incredibly, incredibly challenging. There are going to be a ton of pitfalls you come to. There's a ton of rejection. You have to be really solid in what you're doing and what your ethos is, but it's absolutely worth it. (laughs) It's absolutely worth it. It has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my whole life. And I hope that I get to do it every day until the end of time. I mean, it's amazing building this and seeing what's going on. I would say a couple of uh, notes on that is write down your goals. And when you meet one of those goals, go out and celebrate. Like I think as founders, we get to a level and then we're like, oh my God, we did it. We launched in this chain. Okay. Now there's a thousand other things that we need to do. Like take a second and celebrate that because that came with so many hours of blood, sweat, and tears. And it's really, really important to celebrate your wins. I think that's what keeps me going. And then the second thing I would say is find your people. There are a ton of other founders out there. Find them, use them, allow them to be cheerleaders for you. You be cheerleaders for them. That has saved me hundreds of times just by having a network of people who knows what this, who know what this feels like is completely valuable. Like I would not be able to get up every day and continue the grind because it is a grind a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about an Olympic athlete, right? And the Olympic athlete makes the team, they go on to the Olympics, they win a medal. You're like, oh my God, how incredible. And you're celebrating this win that they have. And what you don't see is everything for their entire life, most Mm -hmm. of the times, that have led up to that single race that they did. And that's the way being an entrepreneur is, is you have all of these tiny nitty gritty things that have to get done every day. And people only see the big, the big accomplishments or the big failures that happen. So having your team in place, and that's not really people on your team, but having your people to back you up is huge. So find them. They're out there. Reach out to me. I would be happy to be anyone's cheerleader. That's amazing. It's so great to hear the way that you're talking about it because it's hard. And then I have one hard question and maybe mm-hmm. you don't, maybe you haven't even thought about it yet, or maybe you've thought about it and dismissed it. Have you done all of this with your own, have you self-funded this whole company and have you thought about raising capital? Yeah, I have. It's been fully bootstrapped <laughs> up until this point, which again comes with its own challenges. Like it allows me the freedom to have full ownership over the way that I want to do things, which is great. And it's also forced us to be incredibly strategic and lean. So everything that we do, I'm like, that is my personal money that I am paying someone to do it. Is it worth it? Do we need that? Moving forward, 
Yeah, I definitely think I have opened myself up to investment and I don't quite know what that looks like. I am really one of the biggest tenants that I want to go forward with is building um, an all women team if possible. Amazing. That's huge for us. Yay, I want to go. Yeah. Yay women. So <laughs> that's, that's huge. I mean, most of the people that have worked on kinship are women. The majority of them have been women of color and I'm really proud to say that and to build the team. I want to go all the way to Tia States. So I want to find women led Tia States, support them, give back to the community all the way through co-packers if possible, all the way through to the end. So in terms of investors, I would really be looking to work with women as well. That's a huge piece of it for me. But yes, we're in the very early stages of thinking about what that may look like for us. I think that's a good place to take your time right now, to be completely honest with you, right? Like go yeah. slow on that front because it's brutal at the moment anyway. And yeah. that's a big decision. And it sounds like you already know that. And it and there are so many investment firms and private equity firms. And I've just talked to so many women who really are struggling with that because it's not Mm -hmm. as friendly as it could be to women founders. Yes. I think, and also the environment is just pretty brutal right now too. So I think it's a great place (laughs) to take your time if you can. Yeah. 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 We like a good challenge. You know, it's it's yeah. okay. We'll get there. We basically were started in the pandemic when nothing was open in the first place and have made it through that a little bit. So yeah, the fact that it takes a year plus for some of these things, no timeline. We're just excited to be here. We're excited to find the right partners that will support us and build a community with us. Amazing. Um, before we wrap up, anything else you wanted to say or talk about? Oh, gosh. No, I think you asked such phenomenal questions. That was amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Well, your energy is incredibly positive and contagious. So thank you so much for being on. I think this is so great for people to hear. And I I think it's amazing to hear what you're doing on. I mean, you're, you're, you have a few people that you're tapped into, but you're doing this on your own. And it's hard and also really, really exciting. So congratulations on everything you've done so far. I'm so happy for you. I'm rooting for you, too. I'm a fish corner <laughs> now and I want to stay in touch and hear how things are going. And next time I come to Austin, yeah, I'll you. definitely let you know. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Let, yeah. let me show you around. Let me take you to dinner. I, I would, I would, take I you would up love on that. that. I will take yeah. you up on it. Thank you so much. You. I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Yeah. I appreciate it. All you founders out there, keep your heads up. I yeah. promise it's okay. Thank you for listening to the Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.